Hello everyone and welcome back to Traditionally Speaking. This time my friend Joe and I are going to be continuing our semi-regular feature on the toys of the decades by looking back at that most incredibly distinctive of decades, the 1950s. It was incredibly distinctive, all right? I was born in there. <laughs> I'm smack dab in the middle. <laughs> So I was really excited to look at this list, Joe, because, I mean, there are so many uh, really amazing toys that have really stood the test of time when you look back through the decade. Um, and some were popular in the US, some were popular in the UK, and some have been popular all over the world. Yeah, and actually, I was surprised to see some of these things pop up in the 50s. I thought they were much later. Um, but again, you know, that might just be my memory <laughs> when I finally got them. <laughs> but yeah, there are some really interesting toys on here. And some of them, is, you know, I mean, let's face it, you can get them today and they are just as popular. I mean, who doesn't own Matchbox cars? Yeah, it just says everything, doesn't it, about how distinctive and how much longevity these toys have. Because I think most of the things on this list will be immediately recognizable to people on both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah, absolutely, because they have been around far longer than the 1950s. So, you know, and, and it's funny how the, the origin of some of these things, uh, you know, things like Play-Doh and things like, um, what was the, and the Silly Putty that, you know, and we'll we'll touch touch on each of these. But, Tom, you got the history on those, which is really fascinating. So why don't we start with 1950? So Yeah, let's let's kick off right at the beginning and go back to 1950. So what were people playing with back then? Well, in the USA, it was Fisher-Price Little People, and in the UK, the Tonka Truck. So right away, we have that, that divergence between what kids were playing and where. I can't believe Fisher-Price has been around for you know so many i mean we're talking 73 years for for this and i know they were around before that but oh my gosh the little people i thought those came much later uh and as i was telling you i owned a whole set of army corps of engineer tonka trucks which i loved i spent hours in the backyard with those you know digging up dirt and making a mess of myself and everything else <laughs> well, I think it says everything for the Fisher Price little people because, you know, when you think about it, it kind of laid the groundwork for things like Lego and Playmobil and all of those other, um, you know, sets where you have vehicles or buildings um, and you have little characters interacting with them. Um, because initially, it was a really quite basic design, sort of like wooden pegs. Um, and it was only as time went by that they became more sophisticated and, you know, there's so much more character added to them. And I agree with you. I'm sure Legos and everybody else owns the, owes a great deal of debt to Fisher-Price for coming up with that because it really started to set the trend for that. So, yeah. and then, oh, boy, jumping right into 1951. You know, I got to tell you, and, you know, I know you're going to put this up on the on the website, which will be fun, but I got a whole set of Pez dispensers that are Christmas related. 
Well, I mean, who doesn't love a Pez dispenser? Because, I mean, the, the one of those kind of candy treats that have been enjoyed for so many years by so many. Uh, and it says everything about them that they're still enjoyed today. I was going to say, and you, I can definitely walk into a Walmart, especially at Christmas, but other times of the year, too. And and find Pez dispensers still being sold with the, with that candy. So, what they need is a ten pack of the Pez uh, candies to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then our side of the pond, kids were playing with color forms, which was basically that was kind of a a it stemmed from the little paper dolls that kids used to cut out of magazines and such and play with. Yeah, because they were very brightly coloured and really quite distinctive, weren't they? They were on soft vinyl, I seem to remember. Yes. And, you know, they it was kind of like your static cling today. It's, it's like they stuck to anything. So if you had a window nearby or something, you could just play with your colour forms and stick it to the window and change their outfits and do all these things. It's amazing, but uh, yeah, that was that was one of those fun things that stuck around for years. So, but yeah. obviously, the top toy in nineteen fifty one. Yeah, and when you think about it, you know, you had later things like fuzzy felt, um, which all really owe a debt to color forms. I mean, that was really blazing a trail back then. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, it's amazing what toys came out of other things that you weren't expecting so and then we get to 1952 and oh there's a favorite on both sides of the pond that i just used to play with for hours and that was mr potato head and i had yes. mrs potato head too so i had both mr and mrs potato head man and i was always changing their lips their eyes their ears their everything you could <laughs> Well, I was amazed to discover that Mr. Potato Head was the first toy to be commercially advertised on television. And uh, I think that says something about the longevity of that particular toy, because it's been enjoyed in various different formats for many years. And thanks to Toy Story, it has had a whole new lease of life. I was going to say, and of course, Toy Story brought, brought it back big time. And now they're doing it extremely well in the stores again. After you know seventy years, <laughs> yeah. So, and things, what's not to like about uh, Mister Potato Head? He's got so much character. Yes, yeah. You can make him happy, angry, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and they've done that with Toy Story. So, <laughs> yeah. And then in '53, yeah. we we duplicated again. Both the UK and the US uh, loved. They're matchbox cars, and who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, still lovingly collected by so many people even today. Uh, and it says everything for them, actually, that, you know, when you look back to the 50s, and they literally were, uh, you know, in matchbox-sized um, containers when they were first sold. Um, it's amazing to see just how uh, distinguished and how um, valued they've become, you know, because they really have been a very varied range over the decades. And there are some out there that are worth a small fortune if you've got the collection. But um, but even today, like you said, again, you walk in any Walmart or any other uh, store at Christmas time, 
and you can pick up collections or or individual cars or they're still around and they're still being sold. I remember having a whole box of them that I finally, you know, sold off or got rid of or did something with them. But, uh, you know, I just got tired of carrying them around. But I must have had hundreds in there. So, yeah. <laughs> And I bet you wish they were still in the original packaging as well, because you can only imagine what they, what they go for in the market now. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Kind of like baseball cards, you know, which I think everybody's got their tales of woe on what they did with those. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to my favorite year, the year I was born, 54. Yeah. And, and it was a vintage year. <laughs> and who was the number one toy in the U.S.? Gumby. <laughs> this fascinates me because I don't think Gumby made it over the Atlantic. I think he's very much a, an American staple when it comes to toys. Um, the closest that we had was Morph, um, who was a very similar kind of character made from clay. Um, but uh, I, as far as I know, that was a really huge franchise, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh, yeah, Gumby and Pokey, and, you know, they later had friends, and that, that yeah, and used to be able to, they were kind of a vinyl kind of substance that you could bend and had wires in them and stuff, so I wore mine out, and the wires started to poke out, that's when they got pitched, but, you know, but, yeah, kids played with Gumby and Pokey, and there was a cartoon show on every Saturday about Gumby and Pokey, and, yeah, I mean, and again, that just kept that whole um, thing moving year after year for a lot of years. Uh, those were big characters. Yep. But at the same time, in 54, that was the year of the Slinky in the UK. And uh, that was something that really became quite an iconic toy for the decade. Yes, it did. I mean, I <laughs> certainly had a few. I had the not only the Slinky, but I had the Slinky Dog and uh, the Slinky Caterpillar. Uh, <laughs> but I used to sit on on the step. Anytime you saw steps, you grabbed your Slinky and started running the Slinky down the steps. It was the most fun. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This has given me, you know, a real rush <laughs> thinking about all those years ago. <laughs> and, you know, it's ironic that it should be the number one toy in the UK because it was actually invented by a US naval engineer. And um, that's where it got its start, the Slinky, because it's, you know, it's been enjoyed all over the world since then. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure when he discovered it, it was like, oh, hey, I can make a toy out of this. So, <laughs> and then speaking of unusual beginnings, why don't you explain our 1955 USA favorite, Play-Doh? Yeah, 1955 is an interesting year because on the USA side, you have Play-Doh, which was a, a substance originally planned to be wallpaper cleaner. And it was only when they got started, they realized, you know, there was possibly, um, you know, other uses for it, including as a children's toy. Uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. Um, but over in the UK, it was Silly Putty that was the, the toy of choice. And uh, the interesting thing about that, of course, was the fact that um, it was had an entirely different heritage because Silly Putty was um, the result of experimentation to try and find um, an alternative form of rubber 
um, during the war. And um, basically, Silly Putty was the, the result of that, um, unintentionally so. Um, so basically, you had a, a really quite popular toy um, that had almost been created by accident. Yeah, here you have two industrial products that did better as toys than they did as industrial products. <laughs> That's kind of funny. And, of course, Play-Doh had that distinct odor that you still smell today. So. Yeah. And now, I mean, they're even showing how to make it at home and such. So that's still going strong. And you had to have all the mold makers and that kind of thing that take place. Well, I mean, I'm sure our listeners have seen this all over the place. And that's one of those, again, iconic toys that just never goes away. Or it'll fade out for a couple of years and then come roaring back. It's amazing. Yeah, there's so many different ways to engage with it now. I mean, I wonder how many kids have been awakened to different creative possibilities um, just by, you know, using Play-Doh and discovering that perhaps they have a little bit of artistic aptitude they didn't realize they had. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where it starts. You know, I mean, you start taking the different colors and, and doing different things with them. And next thing you know, you got an artist that's getting butted. <laughs> <laughs> And then it changes completely in 56. Mm. Yeah, another year where there's a split between what was popular in the USA and in the UK, because in America, uh, everyone was enjoying the corn popper, which was, uh, I think, a walking aid for young children initially. Um, but it became so much more than that, because you get these little um, plastic pieces that jumped around when it moved. Um, and made it very popular. And um, it a lot. It made a lot of noise, which I'm sure most parents were like, why did I ever buy this? But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it did. It really got kids moving and walking and doing things, whether inside or out. Yeah. I mean, and so popular. I mean, it's obviously still used today, um, which says everything about the genius of the design. Yes, absolutely. But in the UK, that one really surprised me. Yeah, because, I mean, when I was growing up um, sort of in the 80s, uh, the Magic 8 Ball was really kind of like a desk toy. Um, it was the sort of thing that you might have um, on sale with things like Newton's Cradles, and you know, these little magnetic desk uh, toys that you had back then. Um, but back in the 50s, it was really popular with kids. Um, and uh, if people aren't familiar with the Magic 8-Ball, uh, basically it's slightly larger than a real um, pool ball, um, but there was a little window at the base, and you could ask a question of it, and there was a 21-sided geodesic shape inside it that would float to the surface uh, and answer your question. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was kind of like the first Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and boy, I'll tell you that People used to gather around in crowds and just sit there and play with that and keep asking it questions. And sometimes they got their answer and sometimes it was like they'd scratch their heads and go, really? What? So, <laughs> <laughs> But it's still around. There's another one. God, 70, 70 years going yeah. on. Oh, unbelievable. And then 57, it changed again. And then we found we found that if you stuck a spring on a stick, you could have hours of fun and and skin knees and scraped elbows and a few other things. But uh, came along the pogo stick. 
Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love the pogo stick? I mean, I think everyone's had a go at some point or another, perhaps with varying degrees of success. I, I could never really get my head around them, to be honest. But, um, but for those who did enjoy them, you had loads of fun with them. And it was one of these great outdoor toys of the age, you know? Yeah, well, and I, you know, at the time this was hugely popular, I was still a toddler, so I wasn't quite doing the pogo stick thing yet. So, but, uh, but what's interesting is the toy that you were number one in the UK is certainly something I was even playing with even at three and four years old. And that's the good old fashioned Frisbee. Yeah, who do, who doesn't love the frisbee? Um, and isn't it nice to see how many of these toys were outdoor toys? You could play them with your friends, you know, get a bit of fresh air uh, when you were playing with them. I think it's I think it's great because you know how many people have played with frisbees on beaches and on holidays uh, over the decades. You know, it's one of those things that really brings people together. Well, and I remember championships and and you know uh, contests and different things with frisbees, and you know they they came out with a tournament frisbee and they came out with, you know, then of course, you know, if you had a dog that loved to play, boy, how fun was that to, to play frisbee with your dog as well as your kids. So, I mean, there was something that really just went through a whole lot of different uh, uh, changes, but became more and more popular with every new uh, design. Yeah, and I mean, still enjoyed today, which says something for, you know, how good the idea was. I mean, if it was based on the sort of the Olympic discus, um, then it just goes to show uh, just how versatile that idea was. A whole lot lighter. <laughs> 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 yeah, and and then we get to 58, and oh my God, that's when the explosion happened. Yeah. Wow, I remember... <laughs> hula hoops and this was popular on both the US and UK I mean oh I mean there was there was something somebody took just a simple piece of basically what would be like a, a flexible PVC now stuck it together and made a toy that lasted for decades I mean it's amazing and you still see hula hoops out there today it really is testament, isn't it? Uh, sometimes the simplest ideas are the most brilliant uh, because hula hoops have just entertained so many people. Uh, and I mean, there are still tournaments today. I mean, you see people using them to keep fit. You see, I think at some point, even professional boxers use them, you know, to try and, uh, you know, get these mid um, abdominal muscles going. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just one of those toys that's had so much um, longevity and so many applications. And it really is amazing. And again, uh, you know, all kinds of sizes, all kinds of colors. They put rattles in them. They did just about everything you could do to a simple toy. But it's amazing that they're still out there and they're still being used today. I see stuff on YouTube all the time of people, you know, playing uh, with hula hoops or, or I shouldn't say playing, dancing with hula hoops and such. So you're right. That's still going strong today. And yeah. then we end the uh, decade with uh, a couple of, of basic, you know, more iconic toys that keep, you know, reviving and cutting back and building up again. And, of course, 1959 in the USA, Mattel hit it big. 
They came out with Barbie. Yeah. Could they possibly have imagined how iconic or how popular Barbie would be? Um, because it's one of those toys, isn't it? That actually it, it amazes me. 1959, because the Barbie doll, um, which obviously was huge from day one in America, um, didn't really start to catch on in the UK until the early 1960s. But what was the best-selling toy in '59 in the UK was the Troll doll, and of course that became a hugely successful franchise in America in the early 60s. So actually these toys would themselves go, you know, on both sides of the Atlantic eventually. Yes, my sister owned Barbies, but I actually had a nice collection of troll dolls. And in fact, I had one that, oh my God, it was about 16 inches tall and about 14 inches wide. And, and you know, and he was my favorite. He and I went everywhere together, you know, when I was, especially when I was older, so he was he was kind of my pal when I didn't have other friends around. But yeah, and and they're still coming out with troll dolls today. And of course, Barbie. I mean, need I say it? Here we are in 2023. And now what's the hottest movie out there? Barbie. So <laughs> guess what's gonna happen with that? Santa's gonna get a lot of requests for Barbie dolls again this year. <laughs> and the thing was a few years ago there was a troll dolls movie as well so i mean it's interesting to see that they've kept uh you know in the public eye as well um because the original troll dolls were wood um and their hair was made from lamb's wool um so you know they've gone through quite a transformation over the decades uh whereas barbie has just gone from strength to strength with so many different ranges and you know different situations that the characters can be in. Well, and you want to talk about your collections and stuff with Barbie. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> where to begin or end with that is just, I mean, it's impossible to even imagine uh, having every Barbie doll made. I mean, you, you, I don't even think Mattel has a museum that would be big enough to hold it all. So, hmm. yeah, it's amazing. But but some really fascinating toys that have really stood the test of time. And it's amazing how, how you look at this list. I'd be curious to, to hear from our listeners, how many of these have you owned or played with or given to your own kids or that kind of thing? Be fun that, to, to hear about that. But yeah, all the, and still out there today. I mean, obviously, like we were talking about, not only Barbie, but Play-Doh and Matchbox and, you know, Mr. Potato Head. And, you know, it's so neat to see these things still standing the test of time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you're listening at home and you played with any of these toys, perhaps not even in the 50s, but later on in the 60s or 70s, get in touch. Tell us what you did with them and, you know, the various different uh, combinations of toys that you had. Yeah, we'd love to hear that. And, you know, what was your favorite toy growing up? I'd, I'd be interested in hearing that, whether it was in the 50s or later um, or earlier, <laughs> for that matter. But, yeah, it'd be fun to hear what your favorite toy was while you were growing up as a kid, what you played with. So, Joe, thanks very much for joining me for what has been another really fascinating discussion as we continue our trek through the decades and looking at all these really amazing toys. 
And again, folks, don't forget to check out our website at, at traditionally-speaking.com because we're going to put up some pictures of my, my, you know, beautiful Pez dispensers here from Christmas. <laughs> and no, I'm not going to eat them. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for joining us, folks. We enjoyed this. And wishing everybody at home a very Merry Christmas. I hope you're having a lovely December and we look forward to catching up with you again in the new year. Amen. So take care, everyone. God bless. <laughs>